welcome back if you are a longtime listener or welcome if you are a first-time listener. I am Father Roderick, and you are listening to The Break, which is my weekly podcast where I talk about movies, TV shows, talk about faith, about books that I've read, food and health and technology and video games. And uh, we've got quite a bit on our plate today. This episode is made possible advertisement-free thanks to my wonderful Patreon community, people that believe in my mission to reach out beyond the the frontiers, uh, the final frontier sometimes of, of church buildings. Um, I, I've always worked as a, a, a bit of a missionary uh, in, in the worldwide, in a wide world that we can reach using social media. It's always been a, a joy, but I couldn't do it without the support and also the financial support of my patrons. Um, so if you want to join that community and help me do this work, go to patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And this week I want to welcome two new patrons, Maribel Lawrence, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and Edward Barrier, or Barrier, if the, if it's if you want to French uh, pronunciation. Um, nevertheless, uh, no matter if I pronounce that correctly or not, I'm so excited that you are now part of the community. I hope to see you on our Discord server, which is also one of the perks that you get as a patron. Um, a, a nice community where, with so many friendly people, a bit of a safe place, like a lot of the the places where you exchange ideas. It, it's it, there's always the risk that people will start like. Uh, muddy, muddying the waters or you'll be attacked and the, there's a there's a lot of negativity uh, on, on, on the internet and we really uh, are very vigilant that our Discord server is is a safe place where you find support and like-minded people and, and no fights. <laughs> it is a very peaceful, joyful, energetic place and I have my Patreon community to thank for that. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. As always, at the beginning of the show, we look at the news and what's going on in the world. And of course, <clears throat> we are all shocked by the devastation that was caused by the earthquake, this, this, this series of earthquakes in Turkey and in parts of Syria. Um, it, it, it is just horrifying to see uh, the devastation, how many people have died, more than 20,000 now. And especially in Syria, uh, the people that live there have suffered for de for more than a decade now because of the wars and the violence there. And, and now they get this. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's even because of the, the war that is still raging there, it's very hard to, to get help where it's needed most. Um, and, at the, at the same time, it's heartwarming to see that from all over the world, uh, people are are helping, like with their donations and and with their expertise, and uh, the world is coming together to help these people. Um, I I never realized that uh, that Turkey uh, was on a fault line like that, and apparently th they've had earthquakes throughout history. This is just one of the worst that they've had in 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 more than a century, um, and as I mentioned in Syria, it's even worse because that people is already suffering so much. So keep praying for them and see what, if you can do something specific to um, to support the the helpers that are there. And if you ever think, <clears throat> you know, why does God allow 
things like this to happen? Doesn't our world already suffer enough? Um, I don't have a, a good answer to that, but I've learned that if you want to see God in the midst of that all that misery and all that suffering, look at the helpers. Because if you look at what Jesus does when he's confronted with pain and with suffering, where is he? He's not in the synagogue sending thoughts and prayers. He is going to the sick. He's healing them. He's embracing them. He's kissing them. He's, he's feeding people that are hungry. Um, and I think if, if, if Jesus is the manifestation of, of God in our world, after all, he's the son of God, and he says himself, if you see me, you see the Father. So if you, were, if you want to know where God is in all of this, look at where I am. I, I would be close to the people that are suffering, and so are many other people that are helping there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a lot of them are, are also motivated by their faith because they know that faith is not just something that you experience uh, or in, 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 a, in a church building or in a sacred place or on a pilgrimage. Uh, and, and it's not just... A, a, a number of thoughts that you subscribe to, it's, it's, it's much more uh, an encounter with God that changes the action, your choices and that, that motivates you to be a source of light in this world. And so let's keep on being that light as much as we can. Um, speaking of earthquakes, there was also a metaphorical earthquake in in um, in the Catholic community, um, and it's very well possible that you've completely missed this. I, I'm actually surprised that there's not mo more news coverage. I was very perturbed by this, and I'm referring to uh, to a report that came out uh, last week, um, more than 600 pages, written by uh, multiple experts in psychology, in in um, theology sociology um, and it's it's all a follow-up um, on a, 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 something that came out um, a year after the death of Jean Vanier. Jean Vanier was the founder of a community called uh, L'Arche in French. He was a Canadian um, and uh, L'Arche, uh, the arch, literally means the it's the ark. Uh, Noah's Ark, and he used that as a as a metaphor for uh, the community that he founded, and that quickly started to spread all over the world, where um, mentally uh, and intellectually disabled people, or people with a, a mental how can, how do you say that nowadays? Um, anyway, you know what what I mean. Um, so, uh, for instance, people with the syndrome of Down, uh, and, and, and other people that, for whatever reason, um, didn't have uh, their, their full intellectual capacities live together with people, with healthy people. That, and, and, and it's on the basis of equality. They, they live together, they form families, they live together. And Jean Vanier has been uh, promoting this work for decades. He started this, I think, in the 50s even. And, um, and he was, for most of his life, considered to be a saint. Um, and I remember when I was in seminary, we um, we had a small library um, in in the seminary. So I wasn't 
a bit of a peculiar seminary. It wasn't all like an internal formation. We lived together, but we studied at the university. So we, we uh, during the day, we, we were just regular students, but then we would always come together in the chapel to pray, and we lived in the same house. And so... Um, and we had this small library, and, and there were lots of books from people like Jean Vanier and uh, founders of other uh, new movements. And I remember at the time, this was in the, in the, in the 80s, uh, so late 80s, early 90s, um, almost everyone in the church was very hopeful when it came to all these new communities. Um, there was the charismatic movement, uh, Emmanuel, uh, in France, uh, you had a ton of, of new communities uh, that were all uh, marked by uh, usually great charism of their founders, and um, and they, they they were vibrant and young and 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 had lots and lots of impact, um, and 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 um, seemed to bear a lot of uh, fruit. And so, uh, I remember that one. One day we heard that Jean Vanier was actually doing a tour in... Um, Jean Vanier was not a priest, he was a lay person. Um, so always told people that he wanted to become a priest, but for some reason it was never he was never allowed to start uh, the, his priestly formation. That would become clear much later why. But anyway, so... Um, I was actually going to address this in, in my faith segment, but I'll, I'll expand upon it there a little bit more when it comes to the fallout. But anyway, so he would visit also during his tour of Europe our seminary. And I remember that one evening he was having dinner with us and uh, he spoke uh, for about an hour about his, his, his calling. And he said, you know, I heard this voice and it was God calling me and he wanted me to start this community and seemed to be a very pious, very motivated guy. And um, and I was not the only one who was impressed uh, by his language. He seemed to be very spiritual. And, um, and I was like, wow, the church has some very good people right now. There's, these, these, these people give me hope. <laughs> you know, all these new communities. The, the, the church is alive and vibrant. And look at what the Holy Spirit is doing. All that turned out to be a lie, a complete lie. Jean Vanier, a year after he was buried, uh, was revealed to have been an abuser. He had abused, at the time, this was in 2020, uh, as far as we know back then, it turned out that he had abused more than six young women for, a, for long periods of time. He would use his spiritual guidance uh, that he would give these women to seduce them and to abuse them. And, and it was a shock at that time. And it was even more shocking because apparently there were links with other very well-known founders and other new movements. And... It is insane. I remember how shocked I was to discover that one after another, all these communities that I was inspired by as a seminarian, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish we had communities like that in the Netherlands. Um, almost all of them turned out to be cover-ups for 
huge abuse or their founders would be abusive. I mean, I can I can give you some examples. And this I'm talking about this because for me this is a bit like an like a spiritual earthquake. It's like what is happening here? So uh, but we, maybe I'll, I'll uh, talk a little bit more about and give you some more examples because this is not a, uh, a single um, uh, case. There are there are a lot of similar cases here, um, and I'm I'm also worried that this is not the end. I think that, that there will be much more that will come to the surface in the years to come. But uh, there after this discovery that Jean Vanier wasn't the saint that everybody said he was, but that, in fact, he was an abuser and a serial abuser. They, they, the community of the Arch uh, uh, made sure that an investigation was started, a multidisciplinary disciplinar, uh, commission was set to work, and they have worked for more than two years on what turns out to be a 600-page report that you can download. I've read it over the past few days, and it turns out it's much worse than we thought. He has abused more than 25 women that we know of, but usually what we know of is the tip of the iceberg, for the entire duration of his life, since the moment he started the arch until the day that he died and never showed remorse and it turns out and this is the insidious part of it that he was using the arch community as a cover-up in fact the report states that he founded the arch to cover up his abuse as a way to divert attention from what he was doing and what he has continued to do successfully for decades Imagine 25 young women. Some of them were married, some of them were religious sisters, others were lay people, always very keen on finding the vulnerable ones among the, the women that surrounded him. Um, and what was also just gave me shivers was that, in fact, he was the secret disciple, this is almost like the Sith in Star Wars, he was the secret disciple of Thomas Philippe, who was a priest that had already been condemned in the, in the 1950s by the Vatican because he had abused women, and he was forbidden to have any ministry, and Jean Vanier had him as a spiritual father. Even Pope John XXIII one day told Jean Vanier, get rid of that priest, and he didn't. This priest had developed an entire theology that justified the abuse. This is how deep it goes. It's, it's, it's diabolical. And he has impregnated this, <laughs> this whole way of thinking, this false theology on Jean Vanier. And this Thomas Philippe was then later on the like the 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 pastor of that that early arch community and and, and continued to hear confessions and and abused people in confession he was the brother of Marie Dominique Philippe 
the founder of the very well-known, very successful monastic community of the Brothers of St. John, and also the Sisters of St. John. And it turns out that, that Marie-Dominique Philippe, who was also venerated as a saint during his life, and had a very high status for, I, I know these communities very well. They were always talking about him as if they were talking about the guru. He too had abused multiple women with that same philosophy. And it was like a, a secret. They never talked about it. It's only in hindsight when you know what their real theology was behind that, that you see the hints in what they write and, and the way they talk about stuff. But they kept this hidden for decades. And the, the, the problem is, these priests... And Jean Vanier have also had their disciples. And so this whole report was written to figure out how deep does the rabbit hole go. And thankfully, it turns out that with Jean Vanier's uh, arch community, it didn't spread. He, he, he kept it secret. There may be a few followers uh, out there, but they didn't spread because there were too many people involved. In, in the arch community. It was a worldwide organization with most people that were working and living with these uh, mentally impaired people. Uh, they had nothing to do with that kind of thinking. And Jean Vanier, of course, couldn't, couldn't initiate new disciples for fear of being discovered. Uh, with Marie-Dominique Philippe, it's much more, it's much more troubled. They, they covered it up for years. And he was not the only one. There are multiple priests in that, multiple brothers of St. John that have uh, even been in prison because of abuse. And that order has been covering up a lot of these stories. And I know from friends that have relatives in the sister community, there was, uh, there was also a lot wrong in those communities a lot of psychological terror and abuse maybe not physical or sexual abuse but a lot of very very unhealthy uh, practices there and um so i i i i was prepared to hear more about this because i knew that this this research was being done but what i did not know and i didn't have a clue was there was this whole like like completely thwarted theology that was almost like a, a Gnostic sect, sectarian movement that was covered with this, like, for the outside, everybody thought, this is amazing, this is the Holy Spirit. And, and, but the, the core was completely rotten. And when you read the reports and when you read that line of thinking, it's, it's insane, it's something you would maybe encounter in some very extreme sectarian movements. But this was in the heart of the Catholic Church. Oh my gosh. And you know what? And this is a question I will talk about later in this show. Is this, this confronts me with a very difficult question. Because doesn't Jesus say that a bad tree cannot produce good fruits? And a good tree cannot produce bad fruits. So how is it that someone who was so perverted and so clearly uh, destroying people, all these, these women that he has abused and, and oh, it's just horrible, and yet that this, this guy founded this 
thriving community that as such is is incredible and and is a very very beautiful fruit how how does that rhyme how does it even work and so it's a it's a hard question for me personally because i feel i feel duped i feel that for for the 10 years that i was in seminary i've been admiring these people i believed what they said and it, and so many of them turned out to be not just people with a double life but criminals like they should be in prison i'm mad that they're dead because they can't be in prison right now and it's it's not one case it's like a ton of these young communities have have had founders that 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 abused people or or members that and it's when does this end okay deep breath <laughs> and i know it's it's a totally maybe it, i i shouldn't parodies together because the earthquakes in in turkey and syria that is a that is a humanitarian disaster and and we're talking about more than 20,000 victims this is this is of a whole different nature and and i i guess most people probably have never heard of this of this community and of this problem but for me as a catholic it shocks me it shocks me because we're called to to be the light in this world or to at least to bring God's light in this world. And these people that seem to do that have brought nothing but darkness. It's 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 very much like like what you see the Sith do in Star Wars, you know, like Palpatine who seems to be this kind politician and at the same time he's got a he's a he's the devil (laughs) there's no one more evil than than palpatine slash sidious in in the star wars stories apparently these stories talk about real stuff because this is also happening in uh, in places where you would least expect it to happen how do you not like movies they're predictable like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and darth vader is luke's father not liking movies is like not liking puppies they're fine i just get bored and never make it to the end you know you need a movie education you need a movication i'm gonna give it to you all right, try it. I'm trying to lighten things up a little bit. I know this was a bit heavy-ended, but it, this was weighing on my heart, and I feel like I would be I would be uh, just performing theater if I wouldn't start off with this because this has really sh- this has shook me for for days. Um, especially if you read that report. Anyway, but let's talk about movies and TV shows. This is basically what I do whenever I see a lot of misery. Sometimes I just need to balance things. It's also something I would recommend to you, that, that there is a, a risk. We are so connected, and there's so much news, and, it, and a lot of it is bad news, let's be honest. And if we inundate ourselves, we may have that feeling, but I need to stay up to date. We have fear of missing out. You know, I, I need to follow this. This is important. And often it is. But too much can be too much. You should not forget that we are all empathetic people god has given us the ability to place ourselves in the position of people that suffer and we suffer also from we carry their cross in a certain way even if it's only by praying for them and thinking about them but we are not the messiah there is a limit as to what we can carry and because being 
very close to people that suffer a lot also causes us to suffer. I mean, it can make you cry sometimes what you see on TV. But that's also weighing on you. It's also uh, making you suffer. And too much is... Uh, can 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 rob you from the ability to think clear and it and you want to try to find a bit of balance for me uh one of my outlets is to play video games or to read books or to watch tv to watch movies and at least for about an hour per day i can just be elsewhere i can just shut off this brain that is constantly waiting for the next bad news and and this is probably also why I tend to go for for stories that are uplifting. And I, I rarely watch war movies or horror or, or depressing stuff because there's already so much of that in the news. So instead, I, I, I love good fiction. I love fantasy. I love superhero stories. So let's talk about a few of those stories. First of all, The Bad Batch. Um... If you've been following my live streams over the past few weeks, I've done some reviews here and there of uh, this this animated sequel to the Clone Wars, following a group of clones, clone warriors um, that were slightly different. Um, and so, clones obviously should be clones; they should all be the same. But the, these five clones are very different from one another. They each have their strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, and because they're so different, um, the chip in their head that, that Emperor Palpatine used to, to reprogram all his clones and to turn them into an army that would kill all the Jedi, they were spared. That it, it didn't work. And so we follow their adventures. It's a, it's a very cool um, concept. It works really well. Um, but this second season has been a bit, you know, had its highs and lows and i was a bit on the fence you know there was a, there was one very good episode a lot of the other episodes were very much felt like filler not very important didn't really evolve the story or the characters but man they turned it around in the mid-season uh finale uh, which which was a two-parter um and and they were fantastic, those two episodes. It, it told the story of, um, the political story of how the destruction of the, of the, the places where the, these clones were built, uh, how, how the Empire was trying to cover that up. And so there's this, uh, this good-looking Imperial officer, um, Rampard, uh, and um, he... He has that quality of of making it seem like oh he knows what he's doing and it's all for the good of of uh, the common good, but at the same time he's ruthless, he's relentless. Again, same theme, you know, someone who you would think well that's one of the more reasonable imperials, but it's just the outside behind it is a very corrupted soul who doesn't hesitate to kill people, to murder entire cities or uh, people that live in entire cities. Um, and so, and, and this, this, these two episodes focused on, um, on Coruscant, which is the, the political capital of the, of the Star Wars galaxy. And, um, and, and how the, some people, 
uh, are are figuring out what what truly happened, and then you see all the resistance and the political machinations, and but also the the negation. Like there are so many politicians there that just don't want to hear the truth, and so there. And then underneath it, of course, is Palpatine, who is like the puppet master, and he knows exactly what he's doing, and he has thought it out in such a way that he cannot lose. No matter what the outcome is of the political debate, he knows that he's always going to win. And I thought it was masterfully done. It's also very scary, because you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that does mirror sometimes our own politicians and the way that we react to um, the things that are happening in the world. And sometimes we also close our eyes and our ears because we we just don't want to believe uh, that that things are wrong. And so we then let it uh, let let evil spread and uh, until it's too late. And then we cannot. Then all, it's a bit like the rise of of Hitler, you know, where where some politicians were like, "Well, we need to work with this guy. We need to, you know, yeah, he's doing terrible things, but uh, let's let's see if we he's got a reasonable side." And then, and then of course he didn't, <laughs> and so they they woke up too late. And and this is this is a an, I think a, a, an important message that Star Wars tells here, to that we should always be vigilant, just like what Jesus says, be vigilant uh, because um, sometimes evil comes w- without you even noticing it so uh, if you knew at what time the thief would come to rob you you would stay awake instead we sometimes fall asleep and we shouldn't and so this this the whole theme of vigilance I think was uh, was an interesting um, spiritual theme in these episodes and I think that the these uh, this bad batch, these clones, are kind of our examples because they don't fall for it. They see what's happening. They struggle with the situation, but they do what they can to fight evil, even if they know that may, ultimately they'll probably lose, but that doesn't stop them from doing what they can to at least pause evil in, their, in its tracks. Very inspiring. Gives me high hopes for the rest of the season. Then I finally got to see Top Gun Maverick, which uh, was available on, um, I think it was on Sky Showtime, which um, is a relatively new streaming platform in the Netherlands and other parts of Europe. It's it's got Paramount, it's got DreamWorks, uh, a couple of of big companies um, uh, came together on on that platform. So uh, Top Gun... uh, Top Gun Maverick, of, of course, is a sequel starring same Tom Cruise, who apparently does not age, which is kind of scary. <laughs> but uh, he um, he is now a bit older, but really doesn't look any day older than he was in the in the first Top Gun movie. The first Top Gun movie was very impressive and weird, really weird. I remember seeing it, maybe in, even in movie theaters at the time, and I couldn't stand. The slow stuff in it. I love the flying and the action, but then all the romance. Oh my gosh, these eternal sunsets and all the cheesy 80s music and uh, just very, I don't know. I I couldn't care less about all, all the, the, the romance and the, 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 the drama. 
uh, it, it didn't work for me. <clears throat> and it, it's, it's maybe just the style of the movie that I didn't care for that much. But I'd heard that, that uh, Top Gun Maverick, it's such an amazing sequel. It's so much better than the original Top Gun. So I had high hopes. And uh, sometimes that happens when I put the bar super high. It can only disappoint. And man, it disappointed me so much. I mean, first of all, let's get this out of the way. The action sequences, the, all the flying stuff is, an, is insanely well done. It's edited so well. Um, I, it had me on, on, on the edge of my seat, especially the, like the final part where they actually fly this mission. Okay, so th that was amazing. Also, knowing that, that a lot of what you see is, is real. Um, they really put Tom, Tom Cruise in a, in a fighter like that. And so it, it gives this very realistic, visceral quality to the images. Of course, they also used a lot of CGI to touch up the, the footage. But it worked. It worked really well. Uh, it's like almost like a video game in a certain way. But then the rest... Oh, and I don't understand because I think I'm old, I'm the only person on the planet. But I, I it was so cringe-worthy. Everything it was like, oh my gosh, this is even worse than the first movie. It's like you meet this woman uh, that apparently Tom Cruise has been in a relationship with or had um, feelings for in the past, and and the way they introduce her and her daughter seems to imply that. You'll know her, of course, from the first movie. But then I was like, no, she was not in the first movie. Turns out, no, she wasn't. This is a completely new, fabricated character. But, but then they introduce her as if we should know all about her. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, no. Then you have the introduction of all the, the pilots. And, like, there's one token woman. All the rest are these young guys, all... It's, uh, you, you know this because of uh, what we know about Tom Cruise. Everybody is more or less the same size as Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a hobbit. He's smaller. I am not tall, but he is even smaller than I am. And so when they cast movies with Tom Cruise, they always cast uh, actors that are his height. Or preferably even a little bit shorter than he is so that he looks big. Doesn't always work because sometimes, and you can tell this from the way they film it, they, they use some trickery to kind of hide the fact that Tom Cruise is, is, is basically Gimli uh, or Gimli-sized. But um, anyway, what was I going to say with this? Oh, yeah, so you've got all these young, young pilots that are the age that Tom Cruise had when he did the first uh, Top Gun. Uh, and, and it's just the way they are introduced. It's so testosterone-heavy and so cheesy. And, oh, man, it, it feels like a commercial for the army, but directed to a certain demographic that I don't think I know in, in reality. But anyway, and, uh, and then you've got the whole romance stuff. Like, every single romantic and dramatic beat is so predictable. Like I was watching the movie, it's like, okay, so the next thing she's going to say is this. And then she says exactly what you expect her to say. And now we're going to have this, they're going to be on this motorbike, sunset, yeah, they're going to play another 80s hit. And yeah, boom, they do that. And then 
they go to her house, and of course, the first time, she's not inviting him in, and he's going to be a bit disappointed about that, but there's going to be a second time, and then she's going to leave the door open. What happens in the middle of the movie? Sorry for the spoilers. Exactly that. And, it, and it's like time and again, even with the, the, the guys that he doesn't go, uh, um, that, he, that there, there's some friction, there is some, some, some trauma there, and it's like, ev- it's so by the, by the numbers. And it, it was so cringeworthy. I didn't care at all for anyone in this movie. Oh my gosh. If it weren't for the flying, I would have, I would have stopped watching it. And I know I am one of the few people who did not like this movie. I watched all the reviews. I said, I know that most of you that have watched the movie loved it. So it's, I'm, something was wrong with me, probably. I don't know. It's a weird movie. I really didn't care for it. Anyway. Let's talk about superheroes. Let's talk about Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and all the DC Universe plans that were revealed by James Gunn last week. This is something that uh, fans of uh, DCU have been looking forward to, also with a bit of trepidation, if I'm honest, because, of course, James Gunn had already announced... James Gunn is the the writer and director of... uh, uh, um, the some of the most successful Marvel movies, uh, like the the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I absolutely adore. I, I, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I've watched it at least ten times. I love that movie. Um, but James Gunn has also directed a couple of DC movies that I didn't care for that much because it was more violent, more I don't know. It, it DC has always been a lot darker than Marvel. Um, and, and I've always had mixed feelings about it. I mean, I like what Schneider tried to do. Snyder? Snyder or Schneider? It's probably Snyder. But um, his his cut of um, the Justice... Was it the Justice League movie? Um, it was pretty impressive. I, I actually liked where they were going. But it still... It was a bit depressing and a bit dark. And it's on purpose. Uh, James Gunn has then uh, gone on to direct, uh, was it Suicide Squad? Which was so violent and so vulgar, and um, that kind of, that didn't do much for me. Uh, He also directed and wrote um, kind of like a spin-off television series. So I'm also a bit, I have mixed feelings about James Gunn. So I don't know where this is going. And I want this reboot i think it is it's time for the dcu to start over and i was actually encouraged by what he said that he wanted to go back in time a little bit and present as a younger superman that's where uh, why cavill was out a younger batman and um but nobody really knew what he was going to do all right let me go over what was announced by him First of all, we have a Superman movie, and I love that. Finally, a new Superman movie. And I want it to be completely different from what, what, what they did before with Man of Steel. Um, it's going to be in theaters right now. That's what they have scheduled on July 11, 2025. Uh, so that's, that's pretty soon. They should be starting to film very quickly because of course this is also going to require quite quite a bit of post-production with special effects it's called superman legacy this film will 
be written by James Gunn, probably already is written, and will focus on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. James Gunn said, I want this to be classic Superman, like the embodiment of of the American dream, you know, of all the, 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 the great, bold, positive values that Superman has always embodied. And I'm thinking, yes, finally, that is the Superman that I grew up with. And I think the world needs a, needs a superhero that represents this hope instead of being like this messed up, traumatized, you know, guy that we saw in Man of Steel. Um, then, and this was like, I don't know what to feel about that. There's going to be another film called The Authority where Wildstorm characters will join the DCU as members of the authority that takes matters into their own hands to do what they believe is right. And these are not going to be good guys. They're going to be, well, gray, maybe even dark in a certain way, and they definitely use violence to to fix what they see as broken. This may be social commentary, because we see that happening in our current day and age quite a bit. But I'm not sure if I want these. I want a story about this kind of stuff. I mean, eh, feels again like what the DC has been doing for decades now. It's all this dark, gloomy, depressing stuff. Anyway, we'll see. I, I, I'm not very excited about this whole idea of the authority. Also, because I have no idea what it is. I don't know much about the DCU or about the, the DC Comics world, so a lot of these characters may be very familiar and well-known by DC fans, but I've never had access to these uh, to these comics, so I don't know much about it. Then, this at first seemed to be interesting, a Batman and Robin movie. Yes! Again, I grew up with Batman and Robin. I love that combination. And, of course, the only movie that we got about Batman and Robin wasn't very good. Was that, wasn't that with George Clooney and the whole Batman Nipplegate thing? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so The Brave and the Bold is the title of this movie. It's inspired by Grant Morrison's comics, comic series. Uh, and this will introduce Batman and his son, Damian Wayne. And James Gunn spoke about this, so they're going to cast a younger actor to play Batman. And then his son, he said, I like this because he's a, this young SOB, and he's violent, and he's frustrated, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. I like Batman and Robin because Robin was someone, as a child, I could relate to Robin. I was like, I wish I was Robin. I, I wish I could be an assistant of, of a superhero. And now they're going to make Robin this... Anyway, a morally dubious guy, I don't know. Father-son dynamics could be interesting, but the way they talked about the Robin is like, I hope they're not going to overdo it. I don't want the DC movies to turn into the boys on Amazon Prime where everybody is perverted and, and corrupted and violent. Ugh. Please save us from that. I don't want more of that, in, in, especially not in the DC universe that I love so much. Then, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. I love Supergirl. Love to see a movie about that. 
didn't care that much for the television series, although eh, it was okay, but it was a bit too much on the nose with all the uh, the, 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 the the modern issues that they kind of uh, shove in there. It, it was a bit too too political to my taste. But anyway, Supergirl. This Supergirl is also a, uh, someone who is very broken. She didn't grow up like Kal-El with nice parents. No, she saw the destruction of Krypton. She's traumatized. She's seen a lot of horrible stuff. So I'm I'm reading that. I'm thinking, oh, man, this sounds like another character from the Suicide Squad. It doesn't sound like Supergirl. It all depends, of course, on, on the writing. But again, I was like, why do you always go the dark road? There is so much darkness in this world. We need heroes. We need hope. <laughs> we need fairy tales. Oh, man. I don't want Snow White to be messed up, traumatized, violent, uh, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> and then the last film project that was announced is Swamp Thing. And this, this surprised me as well because Swamp Thing? What is that? I, had, I have no idea. Apparently, this is going to be uh, a, a, more of a horror movie. Uh, but they will also bring in other characters. And James Gunn de- defended this by saying, you know, this may sound strange that we're going to do a movie with Swamp Thing because he seems to be so out of place compared in, 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 in the company of, you know, Batman and Superman and Robin and Supergirl. But trust me, <clears throat> this is what made the Guardians of the Galaxy so great. Everybody said this is never going to work. You cannot have a talking raccoon next to a talking tree next to a human actor. It's not going to work. And But it was ex- exactly because it was this strange combination of characters that on paper don't, don't really go together. That was what made Guardians of the Galaxy so great. So I, I have faith that um, if, if, if there's someone who can pull this off, then, then James Gunn is probably the guy. So I'm, I'm mildly optimistic about this. Then... They're not only going to bring us movies, but also television shows. And I think they're going to do, like, what is it, two movies per year, two television shows, something like that. So there's going to be this steady output of new stories, and they will all be interconnected. Television projects, I'm going to speed up a little bit. It's Creature Commandos, a seven-episode animated show, animated show with Amanda Waller, who is also in that... Amazon Prime series that I can never remember the name of, or was it HBO series? I don't know. Uh, oh, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, I'm. I don't think Amanda Waller is a very interesting character. She's just like in charge of the superheroes, and I don't know. Then there's going to be a live action series also based on the character of Amanda Waller, uh, played by again by uh, Vi- Viola Davis. Um, oh, Peacemaker. This, this particular series, Peacemakers, this, this television show, that's like, oh, man. <laughs> it's like the boys. It's, it's too, too vulgar and too violent for my taste. Uh, anyway, then Booster Gold, uh, where it's a guy from the future who uses technology from his future to pretend to be a superhero in present day. That sounds interesting, Booster Gold. That could, that could be more comedic. I don't know. Sounds, I like the premise of this idea. Then, this got me really excited. Lanterns. Finally, the Green Lantern is back. 
I love that movie. Everybody hates it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Sorry about that. I really, really, really love the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> With all its cheesiness. But they, they, they were so scared because it flopped, of course, and everybody hated it. But now they're finally going. And I know these Green Lanterns, I know this Greg Willits is a huge Green Lantern fan. And he said, oh my gosh, this is not just one Green Lantern. It's this entire guild of Green Lantern superheroes. It's amazing. And apparently we're going to see two of them in this series. Um, it's going to focus on these intergalactic cops, John Stewart and Hal Jordan, as they in- uncover a dark mystery. So it's going to be more of a, of a detective type show, which is interesting. It's a different genre. Then, this this one doesn't really interest me that much. It's called Paradise Lost. It's a Game of Thrones-style show, so very political, set in Themyscira, home of the Amazons, and the birthplace of Wonder Woman. This is going to take place before Wonder Woman was even born. It focuses on the genesis and the political intrigue of an island of all women. whatever we saw a lot of uh wonder woman's home planet at the beginning of uh, 19 what was it uh, was it 1984 no the last wonder woman movie uh, i did not like that movie at all at least the part the begin the, the whole first act of that movie that t- took place on this planet i was like why why does it work and now they're gonna do a television series about it i don't know i don't know Anyway, so that is what they are going to develop in this reboot. And apparently they're going to use the Flash movie that comes out with, of course, Ezra Miller, this very, very uh, controversial actor that they hope, of course, is going to be accepted by the people, even though he's done terrible things lately. Um, And... Uh, they're, they're going to use that movie to, to justify why they go back in, in, into the past and have younger, a younger version of the DCU. So maybe it's going to be a different... Or probably they're going to de- do a multiverse type of thing anyway. But then they need to do that because they have some other... They still have the Aquaman movie that comes out and Shazam and Blue Beetle and all that takes place in the current DCU. So they cannot you know, reboot now. Anyway, they'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Catholics rock! I realize that I've been talking so much about James Gunn and Top Gun because I, I hesitate to talk about what's coming next. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. Meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Because for me, the, the question that I wanted to talk about in a peculiar bunch, where we talk about all these strange Catholic things, um, is a very personal one and a difficult one. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So at the beginning of this podcast, I talked at length about the report about uh, on on Jean Vanier and uh, his abuse and the cover up of that for decades. And uh, his entanglements with uh, Marie-Dominique Philippe and Thomas Philippe, these two Dominican priests that also adhere to the same sectarian crazy theology that uh, 
well, terrible, terrible. It's, it's, it's really diabolical stuff. Anyway, but my big question after reading this report and knowing about all these other communities, and let me give you some example. Life Team, super successful, amazing initiative, wonderful communities, very popular. But the founder, I think he was even defrocked. He was an abuser. I think he's been in jail. Uh, we got the the brothers of St. John, same thing. The founder of the 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 Blue Sisters, you know, well, we call them Blue Sisters, but they're the, the sisters of the Virgin of Matara or something like that. Anyway, very popular, uh, very fast-growing uh, religious community in the world. The founder has been abusing people. Same thing. Uh, maybe not well-known in, in, in the rest of the world, but definitely at the time when I was in seminary, super popular was um, a charismatic community. Um, gosh, what was the name? It was founded by, <clears throat> by a guy who, was, who used to be a Protestant pastor and then converted to Catholicism, Lion de Judah, the Lion of Judah. And I think they later rebranded after the first ab- abuse came out. Anyway, I remember that we had an entire magazine. These guys were so good with their publicity. They had this monthly magazine, and it featured like photos of like prayer and adoration, and it was very colorful, and all these, these famous people that founded that, that hope-giving community, uh, they, they wrote these amazing meditations. I would devour that magazine. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the future of the church. I so wish I could be part of that community. It was all a lie. These guys, these these men and women that that uh, uh, were were uh, writing all these pious things in, in secret were abusing and raping women and putting like psychological pressure on their members and uh, uh, embezzled money and it was like the worst of the worst of the worst. Like like the mafia movies like The Godfather are like spiritually enriching experiences compared to this kind of stuff. And I was like so shocked that some that a community that presented itself as like the what's not to love and on the inside it was so corrupted. All these people, the priests have been defrocked, these guys have, have abandoned the church. Uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they, oh my God, they've been in prison and everything. All right, so there's that. Then you had, mm, God, this priest, this Franciscan f- uh, monk, a uh, father, who worked for EWTN. He used to have his own uh, talk show. And I remember back in the days when I was beginning with podcasting, we were invited to to visit the headquarters of EWTN and we would be guests in his talk show. And everybody told us, oh, it's amazing. He's so good. That is such an amazing guy. And and I mean, what's not to love again? A, a, a Franciscan father, a priest who is, you know, he's funny and he can do it. He does a talk show. It's amazing. You should be so honored. And I, I still remember I'd never been to EWTN. Of course, I was very familiar with EWTN, but uh, I'd never visited their place or been in contact with them. And I remember that when we were rehearsing or like meeting the that particular priest, I didn't like him at all. I like behind the scenes, he was a man. I was I immediately gave me bad vibes, like arrogant, uninterested. Um, 
And then when we were on, on air, you know, on TV, and there was an audience clapping, oh, all of a sudden he's the nice talk host. But I, after having seen him behind the scenes, I was like, yeah, that's a different person. You're playing a talk show host, but that's not you. And then a couple of years later, I heard that he had abused people and he was kicked out of the order and he was kicked out of the priesthood and he abandoned the Catholic faith and he started his own denomination, whatever, business. And if you Google him now, it's like, oh my goodness, how low can you go? And then, and then like, Days after it came to light what he had done, like EWTN completely erased his existence. <laughs> Every reference to him was removed from the website. All his programs were no longer available. So the, the show that I was part of was never, I don't, I don't think it was even aired. And, it, and you cannot find it anymore. And again, it's like the, the shock that that must have been for you know, people that always thought e EWTN, what's not to like? You know, Mother Angelica is like the future of communication, of Catholic communication. <sighs> and the list goes on and on and on. So my question is, and my personal question, how can this happen? How can bad people, evil people, criminals that should be in jail, how can they still bear fruit? How can they still evangelize and, and build communities that also have a lot of good in them? I mean, I was very critical about some aspects of the Brothers of St. John, and I'm still very critical of certain tendencies and certain people that I know of that community. I'm also very critical, as you know, if you listen to the walk, I, I've, I have a lot of reservations when it comes to these Blue Sisters of Matara. It doesn't feel good. And I can't put my finger on it, but eh. but at the same time, I also have to be honest, there are so many good fruits of that. There's so much true devotion, and, and, and there are saints in those communities. So I don't want to judge the entire community based on the, on the sins of their founders. But it does make me anxious, because I'm thinking, you know... As a pre in my life as a priest, the first 10 years, and, and, and the 10 years that I was in seminary, I was thinking, you know, I'm so grateful that I live in these times because the Holy, church, the Holy Spirit is renewing its church. And it's, it makes me so excited, and I see so much growing, and I, ah! Oh. And then the rest of my priesthood, starting with the scandals in, in, in Boston and the church abuse, and then the dominoes started to fall, and all these new movements and congregations, they all turned out to have like incredible cover-ups. My own, you know, we also in, in almost every diocese in, in every country now, Every year, there are going to be more discoveries. I mean, the worst is still to come in Italy and in Spain, like all these countries where the church has been dominant for decades and had a tight grip on, on the populace. Now it's all coming, coming to the surface, no matter what they try to do to keep it under wraps, because that's what's happening in Italy. Those bishops there, they should know better. They should have learned from 
other countries where we have gone through all this, and yet these even in Italy there's still tons of bishops and archbishops and cardinals that are trying to keep things quiet and and are in denial. You know this does not happen. This happens in in the Netherlands because of course these people had already abandoned the the, the true faith for for decades. So no wonder it happens there. No, it happens everywhere where people have unchecked power because it's never a sexual problem not that's that's just a symptom the true underlying sin is pride it's abuse of power thinking you are above god this is what happened with jean vanier and 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 with thomas philip and dominique marie philip they had constructed a false theology to appease their own conscience and to justify what they did, destroying the lives of these women that, that they preyed upon. And no regrets, no conversion, even though they knew that they were going to die and God was going to look them in the eye. And, and they, 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 they believed their own delusion. How can this happen? Why does God allow this to happen? How should I interpret what Jesus says about the good tree who cannot produce bad fruits? And how can a bad fruit, a, a bad tree produce good fruits? Because that seems to be the case. Now, I don't have a final answer to this, but I have two thoughts that came to mind while I was reading this report. First of all, I'm so glad that they put all sorts of different experts on this because we need to understand how this mechanism works because it keeps repeating itself all over the globe which means this is a structural systemic problem. And unless you, you go to the core of, of, the, of the illness, we will never be able to, to cure it. We will always be able, we, we will always uh, uh, stay put at, at, at trying to, to repair the symptoms. But this, this problem should be, uprooted and should be taken out that the entire cancer should be removed but you need to understand so this is why this report is so important and they did a terrific job even with the limited information that they sometimes had because of course some victims don't want to talk and uh, not everything in the archives was made public to them but I think the analysis in many ways is, is very interesting and insightful one big thing was I found something that um that Jean Vanier himself often said in his talks, first of all, of course, he was just lying. This whole story about, I heard the this, this, this voice of God. I mean, that sounds fantastic, but it's a total fabrication. He just wanted to have a cover for the abuse and to be able to, to bring back Thomas Philip, his, his, his spiritual father, uh, so they could both uh, continue their abuse. But he talks about, uh, in one of his interviews, about discernment. And, uh, and this is interesting. He then says, you know, um, how do I know what God wants me to do? And I was interested to see what he writes and what he said in that interview, because this is, this is probably how he justifies himself. And he says, well, you know what? This is what I do. It has to feel good. I have to feel joy in my heart. I have to feel an explosion of, of positive vibes. And that is the sign that God wants me to do this. 
That's that's the first criterion that he says. I'm thinking, huh, this sounds like a messed up version of what St. Ignatius says, who, of course, is, 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 has founded like this whole Jesuit discernment process. Yes, emotions are important, and you have to search your soul, and if something feels wrong, then you should explore and pray about that and ask advice and discern, because mm, if you don't feel good about something, then maybe, maybe it's not God's will. But it's always like that's the first step. But it doesn't, a good feeling does not justify what to do whatever. It's, if I would do whatever feels good, I wouldn't work a day. I would stuff myself with the most unhealthy food. <laughs> it, 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 of course it doesn't work, but he uses that very seriously. You know, this is, if it feels good, uh, yeah, I can, it's a sign that God he feels good about it as well. I'm thinking, yeah, that I, I bet you that abusing these women felt good to you, but it, it destroyed their lives. So that's not a criterion. The second criterion, and it's only the second one, and then it's like th these two. The second one is you will have to uh, ask uh, the advice of, uh, of, of some other people. And then he actually gives two examples. He says, so for me, for instance, uh, uh, Father uh, Thomas Philip. Uh, he was always in agreement. He has really confirmed what I do. My my, and of course everybody thought it was talking about the foundation of the of the arch and living with a, of of, of um, uh, these uh, these uh, intellectually impaired people. No, he was talking about this convicted abuser Thomas Philip, who probably confirmed his completely deviant theology and the subsequent abuse. And then he said, and then there is this woman; she's a psychologist, and she also thinks that you know what I do with these handicapped people is very good. She really gives me a chance. That's his entire discernment, and I know what's missing there: objectivity. The church. What about your bishop? What about the Vatican? The Vatican has condemned this priest, and you keep it secretly. You 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 stay with this Sith master, John Pope John the Twenty Third in the elevator up going up tells you you have to break with that guy, and you don't listen to the Pope. So that's how. That's how thing, That's where things go wrong. So this is very important to, under, to understand that, that, that the discernment here was already thwarted. And that, of course, becomes the criterion for everything that he does. Um, we need to bring in Jesuits in this because they're very good at, at, at telling us what real discernment uh, is all about. The second thing that struck me in this report, and this has to do with the question, how can a bad tree produce good fruits? And I think I found the solution. Jean Vanier did not produce good fruits. He destroyed the lives of these young women. He destroyed, he lied. He has now, even now that he's dead for three years, he's still destroying the faith and the hope of everybody that, that were listening to his, his, his words and, 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 and try to follow his his uh, there many people are gonna step away from the church because of what he did. That's not good fruits. That is a bad tree producing bad fruits. It took a while for us to discover 
how bad those fruits were and how many, but he did not produce good fruits. So who, where do the good fruits of the arch community come from? From everyone else. From all the other people who were not involved in this sham, in this cover, in this cover up, in this, this sectarian movement. These people that gave their lives to support people in difficult situations, that, that wanted to be there and love and take care of these handicapped people. They were genuine, they were authentic. And God worked through them. So the fruits of the arch are not the fruits of this particular guy. Just and the same thing, I think, with with Life Team, with the, the sisters, the blue sisters, with the a lot of these other movements, the good stuff that comes from those movements is because of the good people that also were there. And where where sin is destroying God builds. Where sinners are are doing the opposite of what Jesus taught us to do. The Holy Spirit works even harder in the hearts of the people that don't know what's going on and that do want to do the good the good thing. And so Jean Vanier always said that the arch was his merit. And people attributed it to him. But he was a false disciple, or how do you say that? A false prophet in a certain way, an imposter, a bad tree with bad fruits. And thankfully, thanks to God, there were still good fruits that were able to grow in the shadow, in the ink-black shadow of what this man has done. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? plug it in it's going to say hey i see you've plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built whoa well all your technology stuff just ends in disaster but there is one more thing there is one more thing that i want to talk about actually uh Three more things that I wanted to briefly touch upon because I'm already uh, the show is going is is getting long. But um, first of all, I'm still reading Pillars of the Earth. This book, um, it, it's it's a riveting read. Also, it, it's a little bit more Game of Thrones than I thought it would be. So um, my 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 previous enthusiasm. Uh, does not preclude that there are some some very graphic descriptions of scenes that you may not want to read to your kids. So um, there's a lot of violence there. There, yeah. Um, so read with read carefully. Um, but it is still extremely well written, and it, it, yeah, it is a little bit like Game of Thrones in it, in the scope of this story. Um, I've got two more hours. And then I'm done with this book. But th- apparently there is a sequel. It took me longer to, to read than I thought it would. So um, I'm a bit hesitant to, uh, to begin reading uh, Sanderson's uh, uh, Mistborn series and uh, The Way of the Kings. And those are all books that are just as beefy as, uh, as Pillars of the Earth. On the other hand, I really enjoyed the, the long read and, and immerse myself for, for more than a week into a story like this. So, yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you up to, uh, up to date with what I will read next week. Um, 
then, speaking of books, of course, you know I'm a huge fan of the Harry Potter books. Um, not so much a fan of J.K. Rowling. Um, especially not the way that she presents herself. Uh, in, of course, I'm not telling you anything new, uh, but there's so much controversy about about what she says, what she does, how she says what she thinks. And, um, and so this uh, has kind of spoiled the franchise for a lot of people. Like, again, it's the same thing. How can a bad tree produce good fruits? Should we still like Harry Potter, which many of us grew up with and love dearly when we have so much issues with the author nowadays. And well, she didn't manifest herself like this when she was writing the Harry Potter. So is it still okay to like Harry Potter or not? This is at the center of the whole debate around this new video game that just came out this past week. And I've been playing it yesterday evening called Hogwarts Legacy. I've been looking forward to this game for years. Ever since I saw the first blurry demos of what the game would look like, I was in love. And I was like, this is going to be so cool to be finally walking around in the world of Harry Potter in Hogwarts Castle to visit the common room of Gryffindor, to immerse myself in that world that I love so much. But I, at the same time, it was also... Huh, I understand that not everybody is excited about this because, of course, J.K. Rowling is getting royalties from, from you know, the use of her brand and, her, and, and Harry Potter's story. So is, is buying this game not also implicitly uh, supporting her... Her thoughts, and again, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to think of what she says, but I can see why people are upset with uh, with what she says and, and how she presents herself. Um, but at the same time, I'm I was conflicted because I I do believe that Harry Potter as a story has so much value, so not only very well written, but there there is so. The, the message of the story is so good. And, and uh, should you throw away a story that in itself is really incredibly important and has so much to say um, because the author on a, you know, on a, another level is, 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 is behaving in a way that you, uh, that you don't like. The, the, this also... Uh, was a bit of a controversy uh, with Ender's Game. You know, the writer of Ender's Game and the whole series um, also kind of fell from grace for a lot of people uh, by stuff that he said and, and did. And so when that movie came out, there was a, a cry for a boycott, just as we have right now with, with Hogwarts Legacy. Um, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not going to, to make a judgment on this. I, I can understand where the pain comes from. Because it's 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 an open nerve for a lot of people uh, that that J.K. Rowling, by the way that she expresses herself, is uh, is is touching, and it and it it is it's it clearly a, a big open wound for a lot of vulnerable people, um, and I think that's important to listen to to what they have to say and to empathize with maybe their rejection of this game and what J.K. Rowling stands for and where she where she profits from. On the other hand, I also believe that we that Harry Potter as a story um, has a lot of what I don't see much wrong with Harry Potter as a story. Uh, and so um, 
for for many people, Harry Potter is a story that marked their childhood. That was a safe place. Um, can you can you refuse that that to them? Uh, and the same with this game. I was like, for me, this, I started to play this yesterday evening, and I I, I thought it was the, one of the most amazing games that I've ever played. It's so cinematic and, and a wonderful story and, and so well done. It's magical. It's absolutely magical. And I love that world. And I love the stories. I love the characters. So am I bad now because I, because I want to play this game? I don't know. I think the debate will probably continue for a long time, but I, I feel like what I, what I try to do is to, to listen, to be respectful, to try to understand both sides. And I hope that people also understand the side of the, of the fans that still love Harry Potter, even though they may actually have issues with, with J.K. Rowling. But they, they, they separate this. And, well, yeah. I, I, I hope there is respect for those choices as well. The last thing we need is people attacking each other, hating on each other, because you don't think like I think. There's so much of that of that culture right now on, on the internet. And it's, unless you do exactly what I would do in your situation, then I'm going, to, I'm going to hate you, I'm going to condemn you, I'm going to uh, interrupt your live streams of this game. I'm that, that is not helping the world. It's not helping anyone. It's, it's actually fanning the flames of what the Harry Potter stories is is indicating very clearly as such a clear and present danger for our society. It's, it's this, this hatred between muggles and non-muggles, between wizards. It's what Voldemort constantly does. It's, you know, who, if you don't join me, I'm going to destroy you. It's, it, these stories are moral stories that warn us against this line of thinking, and now we see on both sides people behaving exactly like what the books warn us against. Anyway, final thing I'm going to send, then I need to go. Uh, Lego, Rivendell. Oh my gosh, amazing. That set, it's way too expensive. Far above my pay grade, but man, it looks great. To have this little Rivendell scene and the Council of Elrond and all the little minifigures. I was hoping it was going to be uh, a micro-build like the Hogwarts castle, which is still, I think, the most amazing Lego set ever made. Instead, they, they opted for something minifigure size. That, that's fine. Um, but I love that, that Lord of the Rings is back in Lego. And I hope we're going to see more sets because it's been too long. And, you know, Lord of the Rings deserves Lego. <laughs> All right. My final thought of the day is from Superman. From one of the comics. Dreams save us. Dreams lift us up and transform us. And on my soul, I swear, until my dreams of a world where, where dignity, honor, and justice becomes the reality we all share, I'll never stop fighting, ever. Says Superman. You gotta love the guy. Thanks for the privilege of your time. And we'll talk soon. Thanks to my patrons. And have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless.